Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. This is the Unfiltered Entrepreneur. My name is Ashley Pollard. Here you will find business tips, entrepreneurial advice, and an honest account of mistakes I make along the way. I will also have some friends along for the ride who can add in their own experience, obstacles, and what we can all learn from each other. Entrepreneurship can be a lonely road, but not in my circle. We are all in this together. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Unfiltered Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Ashley Pollard, and I want to kick off these episodes in a fun new way where I'm going to be pulling up a random review every single episode and giving you a little shout out because it means so much to me to see these reviews. And I'd love it if you are a listener of the podcast, if you're listening on Apple or iTunes, If you could just take a second to leave a review, it means so, so, so much to me. Thank you so much. This one is from Deej1995, and she says, this is the number one podcast I listen to. Oh my God. (laughs) Ashley is the real deal. She's knowledgeable, generous, and well unfiltered. I've been following along with her and love her hot takes and that she doesn't gatekeep. I know I'll be successful with her by my side, whether with free content or paid, and that it will be worth it. That means so much to me because, you know, something that I say often is that like, you never have to pay me a dollar and I will definitely make sure that you're taken care of and that your business is considered and that you have good expert feedback. You never have to pay me to be in my space. My podcast is totally fine if you want to stick around here. But I want to dive into what we're talking about today. Sometimes on the podcast, we talk about foundational aspects. We talk about things like brand values or product suite. We may also talk about things like sales and marketing, these really great nuanced divisional or departmental subjects, but we don't always discuss what it looks like to scale, to go from point A to point B in a really massive opportunity, to take the business that you have and completely adjust it into a new normal feels really overwhelming. It can feel very nerve wracking to consider that your business that's making 50 grand can eventually be making you $350,000 with employees or with contractors. And it's really exciting for me to be able to see what you could be doing in the future of your business and the way that you could grow and the way that you could scale. But I know that on the inside, there's a lot of feelings about, I really don't want to take a ton of risks. I don't really want to misuse my money or misuse my time. And so what I decided to do is take a look at the four things I recommend consistently to businesses pretty much across the board. And you know me, if you've been in my space for a while, you know that I don't love giving out blanket advice. You know that I don't love saying, here's exactly what you should do. And the reason for that is because there's so much nuance. What you want may be different than what I want. We may have different needs. We may have different preferences. We may have different skill sets. And I want to always be considerate of the fact that we're different people who have different businesses. But these are four things that I pretty much say to everyone across the board, which means that whether you're a copywriter, a website designer, a graphic designer, an agency owner, a photographer, a product-based business, all of these kind of resonate with those kinds of businesses. 
And I feel confident that if you want to scale, and what I mean by scale is to kind of shift out of the normal that you're in and not necessarily make more money, but adjust your working methods. Maybe that means hiring more team members, offering more revenue streams, and of course, making more money and paying yourself more money. Then these are the four things that I pretty much recommend across the board. The first one that I have here is building predictable revenue. Building predictable revenue is so incredibly vital if you want to scale your business out of where you are and into something a little bit more robust. And the reason that I say predictable revenue is because if you've been in my space for a while, you know that I really hate the idea of consistent revenue. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't want you to be consistently making money. Of course I do. But we have to get out of this idea of like the consistent 10K month, the consistent 50K month, the consistent 100K months. And the thing is, with this level of consistency, it ends up feeling robotic. Every person who starts hitting the monotonous 10 to 15 grand per month always comes to me and says, I'm bored. I'm not excited by this. I feel burned out. I feel like I'm just doing the same thing all the time. And it's in essence, because you are to aim for consistent revenue is to also aim for consistent days, consistent, predictable day-to-day life. Instead, I want you to think about predictable revenue over consistent revenue. And the reason why I say that is because if you had a month where you made $150,000 wouldn't you be a little bit okay making five grand the next month or 10 grand or two grand or not making revenue the next month? And probably because that still averages over a quarter of 50 grand per month, 150 divided by three months, it would still average out at 50 grand per month, which is considerable. And sometimes people will say, well, I don't know how to make 150 in one month. I don't know how to make 40 grand in one month. I don't know how to make 60 grand in one month. I would focus on making that your pure focus of education is how to have big impactful months instead of this idea of consistency, because then you can make big chunks of change, make big investments, make big moves, and then take a backseat in your own business, evaluate what's working, evaluate where you're going, and you have a bit of a cushion. This level of consistency is where we get into 50% down payments, pay half and half, And that eliminates a monthly recurring revenue, which creates predictability. You will always be busting your ass if your focus is on consistency. So one thing that I always like to recommend is that with a predictable revenue stream, in essence, what you want to do is two things. One, you have to build MRR. I have tons of podcasts about MRR. I can do a focused one about it. MRR means monthly recurring revenue. But in essence, get out of the 50% down, 50% later. It's going to hurt up front. But if you can stretch that two payment plan into six payment plans, into four payment plans, into eight, 10 payment plans, I don't know if I recommend eight to 10, but if you could stretch it into six payment plans where you're not doing the work until month four, month five, where you're bringing in money without the work being done yet, you A, don't have to chase people after the fact and say, hey, you owe me money for the next five months, even though I already passed you the deliverables. And two, you can, like I said, upfront that, you know, that payment might drop from $1,000 to 250 per month. However, if you stacked 10 on top of those, then now you're making 20 grand a month just in recurring revenue while doing two projects per month. So 
I want you to make sure that you're starting with something super core, but stretching out that payment plan so that you have really strong MRR stacked on top of each other. You then want to take a look at your audience and allow them to help you dictate where you go. Now, this does not mean that your clients and your consumers guide the ship. You're in charge of this boat. You're in charge of your business. So instead of saying, okay, hey, clients, where should I go now? You're simply gathering data. You're gathering information. So people say to you, how do I stay on with you? How do I come back to you? How do I make this a consistent thing? They're basically telling you we're in need of a retainer. If people are coming to you and saying, I really like this and you know, I wish that I could have something similar where I could download and keep up with it, that's a really great place to shift people into a passive opportunity. So start with some sort of project offering and then go one of two ways. Give them options to customize the product, give them options to customize the service, give them different price offerings. By differentiating your product suite in this way, you will probably never hear no ever again. When you hear no in your business, it's because you don't have an offer available for them. And people have probably told you, don't bend for people, don't customize your offerings, automate, automate, automate. And trust me, I'm an automation kind of girl. I want to automate as much in my business as I possibly can. However, I also want to make sure that if someone comes to me and says, I'm interested in working with you, and I know there's a million other social media people, there's a million other copywriters, a million other website designers, whatever it is that you're doing. If someone is on the phone with you, they trust you. They're interested in paying you. So in my eyes, make something that works for both people. Make this a mutually beneficial relationship where you're not necessarily saying, okay, I'll lower the price. Maybe you're also changing deliverables. How can you accommodate people who are raising their hand and saying, I trust you, I wanna give you my money instead of allowing them to say no because you didn't budge on what you're able to do with them. I got a little bit off track there, but my point there is build predictable revenue. One with MRR and two with a scalable product suite, aka Do you have a core product and do you have ways that you can change the customization and that you can change the pricing? If you've been in my space for a while, this is what I would mean by my nine grid, filling out those opportunities for customization, for touch, but also customization of price. The second thing that I think that you need to do when considering scaling your business is you absolutely have to audit your business foundation. Without taking a clear look at what you're doing inside of your business and what that base level foundation looks like, you're leaving money on the table because you're not accurately understanding what's even happening at the core of your business. This is not just, is my pricing okay? Even though I do think that's the most important part. This is also, what are my brand values? Am I articulating my brand values? Do I have the proper team in place for the resources that I need? Am I utilizing the resources that my team organically brings to the table? A lot of this can be done in a really simple way with a SWOT analysis, but also with an Eisenhower matrix. If you are unfamiliar with those two things and you're listening to this live, go to my website immediately and download my free business audit. The reason I'm telling you to do that today is because starting in June, we will be charging for that. So if you're listening to this in May or June, go download it for free because at the end of June, we are turning that on to be a paid product. 
In that business audit, what you're able to do is, like I said, perform a SWOT analysis and use our Eisenhower matrix, which is a really great place of kind of gauging the importance of specific topics at hand. What this does in the Eisenhower matrix is it takes a look at how important a product is, how important a task is, how important a goal is, but also how urgent it is. And those are two different things. For instance, if I have to respond to a client, that might be urgent, but it might not be more important than my taxes. The difference is that it takes two seconds for me to respond to a client. So when you plug things into this how urgent, how important matrix in the Eisenhower matrix, you're able to kind of see what you need to focus on at any given time. I have some tips on how to do that. I'm not going to walk through that right now. I'm happy to do another podcast episode specifically on the Eisenhower matrix and the SWOT analysis if you would like one. They're both available on my website and in the Doers Library. If you're in the Doers Library, which is our comprehensive database of multiple resources, masterclasses, webinars, downloads, templates. If you're not in the Doers Library, I would run don't walk. It is so, 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 so chock full of different resources for you to utilize. The other thing for auditing your business is that I think it's important to be very aware of your weaknesses. And that's what the SWOT analysis will do. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. To see your weaknesses clearly is to kind of be a little bit impermeable. It's just, you're unshakable a bit when you are very aware of your weaknesses. I know my weaknesses. I'm a typos bitch. Like if you've ever seen my emails, if you've ever seen my reels, my posts, like I'm typo central. I could not give less of a fuck, to be honest. And I know some of you, it drives you nuts. I get it. I get the DMs. I see the comments. I know that you don't love it. And I could not care less personally. Technically, is that a weakness? Maybe it's a very small one. I don't want to fully expose all my weaknesses. But I would say that in the back end of our business, we definitely have some weaknesses and we're very aware of what those are. But when you are acting like your weaknesses can't be your downfall, that's when they will actually manifest as your downfall. We see this with really big businesses, like what we saw with Elizabeth Holmes, with Theranos, with WeWork. We watch these titans of business just be completely taken down because they're ignoring all of these massive mistakes that are happening inside of the business. They're ignoring their weaknesses. A simple SWOT analysis could have kept, you know, Adam in charge of WeWork if he would have just let me come in and do a little cleanup action. So in your business, how can you also make sure that you're very clearly identifying what the weaknesses are inside of your business? And that does not mean you are weak. That means all businesses have weaknesses. And are you aware of what yours are? That way you can at least have a plan of action to confront them, to fix them, or to accept them for what they are. The third thing that I want you to think about when scaling your business that I really recommend for everybody is to get out of the short-term wins and think more about longevity. And what I mean by longevity is, you know, are you building a business that is going to be serving you five, 10 years from now? And when we get out of, I need to make money today versus I want to create wealth for life, you will see all of your priorities shift. Now, of course, if you have kids, if you have a physical body, then you have like, you know, food. I was about to say you need to like buy food and groceries. Like you need to buy food and groceries if you don't have kids. But if you have responsibilities, obviously to yourself, but to others as well, you're going to feel a little bit of this heaviness, right? You're going to feel a little bit more heaviness than someone who maybe doesn't have those responsibilities because you're going to be saying things like, 
I need to make money today because I don't have a choice. And in that case, of course, I need you to focus on the short-term wins. But I need you to also kind of be simultaneously planning for your long-term growth. And I use this example of tomatoes sometimes in the doers. And roll with me here because it's kind of a weird analogy, but it's kind of the best that I have at the moment. Now, here's the thing. Tomato seeds are about like a penny for five. Do you know what I mean? Like you could buy a pack of tomato seeds for like 15 cents in essence and grow an entire vine of tomatoes. Now, that might sound like the deal of the century because you could walk away with like hundreds of tomatoes for years on end with this one pack of tomato seeds, especially if you take the tomatoes and you, you know, create new vines from the tomato seeds and so on and so forth. You have just an abundant opportunity of creating all of these tomatoes in the future. However, when you buy tomato seeds for 15 cents, you don't eat today. <laughs> like You're not going to go out back and like magic beanstalk your way into having a tomato for dinner this evening. So while you are planting these seeds and cultivating this space and researching how to strongly develop something that will last and what the needs are and what the conditions to survive look like. You also need to feed yourself, which means you may have to go to the grocery store out of your way and buy tomatoes for $2, let's say, which in, is still like inexpensive, but like compared to the price of the tomato seeds is significantly more expensive, both in time and money. You may have to do that for the time being because that's the quick answer, right? So in your business, while you are waiting for tomatoes to develop, you also have to be going out of your way to go to the grocery store to buy food to eat today. Now, the thing is, is that you're doing both for a little bit and it might feel a little bit exhaustive and it might feel a little bit tiring or is this ever going to end or when does this cycle break? But there will come a day that you will have an abundant harvest out back with the garden that you've been building for a while and cultivating this experience that you'll be able to ease off the immediacy of the now and start developing more of a relationship with your harvest versus your grocery store. Now, what does this mean in your terms? Because I hope that you understand the analogy. What this means in your business is sometimes you need to be working for the today while simultaneously building for the tomorrow. That might mean staying up late to build a passive shop while also finishing client projects. That might mean taking on retainer work with people that you really don't want to work with in order to create a case study and portfolio to start attracting people you desperately want to work with. That will create success down the line. So that's something that I want you to think about a little bit there. The other thing with planning for the long-term growth is, I've said this once, I've said it a million times, following SMART goals. And some of you guys think that you're using SMART goals, but I mean the acronym. SMART goals are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Now, there are some things that I need you to consider in your goals because you think that you're using SMART goals. You're saying, no, I'm being you know, strategic about my goals and I told myself I want to make $10,000 in the next three months. Great. That's specific and it's measurable. Now, is it achievable? Are you saying with the time that I have, with the clients that I'm currently serving, with the mental state I'm in, with the resources I have available, is it achievable? Because there's people who say, I'm going to make a million dollars in a year. And I say, great. Okay. Not very achievable. 
But if you have specific measurable and, you know, time bound goals, then potentially you'd be able to make that happen. I don't personally think it's that achievable though. So I do want to keep that in mind. So are you taking a look at your goals and saying, is this actually achievable? And that does not mean you're not able to achieve it. I'm saying, do you have the resources? How is your mental state? What kind of responsibilities do you have outside of work? All of these things really do affect it. There's clients in the round table, which is our year long consulting container who say to me, I really didn't hit the mark on my goals this quarter because I didn't consider how hard I was already working with current clients. That doesn't mean that you failed on your goals. That simply means that you didn't set your goals properly. And we want to make sure that we're getting there as good as possible or as strong as possible. I also think that you have to be very smart with market trends and really understanding the industry that you're in. The industry that you're in may be the digital entrepreneurship space. It may be the product space. It may be the skincare industry. It may be thought leadership. There's many different industries and you may be participating in two to three at one time. Now, what I do is I try to break down different trends that I'm noticing in the digital education, the digital entrepreneurship space. If you're inside of the Doers Library or the Doers Club, you can go download my current trend report and I have actionable advice on what exactly I would do today based on the trends that I'm noticing from clients across the board. If you're not inside of the Doers Library, which you should be, but if you're not inside the Doers Library, make sure to go to the free portion of my website because I have all of my past trend reports there. And guess what? I've been right about all of them. So keep up with me because I know a thing or two about a thing or two. The last thing that I want you to think about with long-term growth is I want you to get in the room. That might mean physically by attending panels, speakers, conferences, retreats, but I also mean virtually by way of hiring the right people who will gain the strong, the right amount of visibility for you, hiring people who will create a really strong room of support for you, or that means for free, get in the room, listen to podcasts with really incredible business experts. Because if you're wishing that you could sit down with Sarah Blakely and ask her anything about how she built her business, you have that chance. She has talked about this many, many, many times. I guarantee any question that you have for some incredible entrepreneur of yours, they've answered on a podcast somewhere. So get in the room even for free with them by just listening to podcasts and gathering what they would have done, what they wish they had learned, not the hard way, because they're trying to set you up for success, just like I am with this podcast. So seek out experts who are giving away their wisdom for free or with books, which are super affordable and way less expensive than a mastermind. The fourth thing that I would do if you're looking to scale your business, I think this is the most important one, to be honest, is I would integrate new revenue streams inside of your business. And Team AP Consulting, for instance, we have eight revenue drivers inside of the business here at Team AP Consulting. In order of, let's say, importance, I would say that those are one-on-one -on -one consulting, our membership, the Doers Club, our subscription, the Doers Library, we have downloads in the resource shop. We have group programs that we've had in the past, which we also do kind of like mini minds inside of the doers. We have merch, we have affiliate, and we have opportunities to hire the team. So I have eight different ways that we can make money inside of the business, whether some are $10,000 per month or others are $100 a month. 
all of them will contribute to the business in some capacity, whether through a sales channel or a marketing focus, but they're all there for me to test, for me to try out, for me to lean on, and for me to kind of activate inside of the business in some capacity. So how can you also make sure that you're integrating numerous revenue streams inside of your business? Well, there are many ways to do this. And I am going to be a little bit of a blanket statement here, which I don't love doing because I wish that I could customize this for everybody. But generally speaking, I recommend that most people start with a project-based service. Now you may think, well, I'm a retainer, so I can't start with a project-based service. You absolutely can. Maybe you're an OBM or a virtual assistant. So maybe that project that you sell for them is that kickoff moment. Maybe it's an audit. Maybe it's a review of what's currently working. Maybe it's a systems setup, right? So you start with this project and you allow them to say, do you have something I could download so I could DIY the rest? Or you have them say, how can I stay on with you? And from that project, you develop templates of work that you're doing in that project over and over and over again that you can then sell. So they can do that project on their own or they can do that project with you. And then to stay on with you, they have an opportunity for that retainer. That's what we typically recommend is to start with those three. You start with project, you go into retainer and you go down into downloads. From there, you can expand into like secondary revenue, let's say. That might be things like a membership or an agency, both really strong, both take considerable amount of work. But you could also go into things like advertisements on a YouTube or a podcast, merch, being an affiliate driver of other people's services. So that is kind of like our range of what we recommend for multiple revenue drivers. I really hate the idea of having all of my eggs in one basket. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's sustainable. And when I'm focusing on sustainability, especially sustainability as you're scaling, because you want sustainability to kind of be your forefront, your most important action at the beginning of this scaling journey. Otherwise, what are you scaling for? You're going to have to pivot in a year and then the year after that and the year after that. So if you know now's the time that I want to scale and really blow up this business, sustainability has to be at the forefront of that. Basically, the exact same word of sustainability is differentiation. Focus on differentiating your product suite. Focus on differentiating your services with different levels of customization, with different levels of price point offerings, different ways that they can work with you and interact with you and take on some of the responsibility themselves. And you'll start to notice that people can participate in your space in exactly the way that they're needing to. A lot more to be said on that. And I'll definitely make more podcasts in that realm because I find myself stopping myself even now because I have so much more to say on that topic. So let me know if you're interested more in sustainable growth and making sure that you're setting yourself up for future success. So to wrap all of this up, we have our four scaling tips here. We have building predictable revenue, auditing your business foundation, planning for long-term growth, and integrating new revenue streams. These are all of the things that I really hope that you take away and make sure that you're considering as you start to scale your business, as you start to think about things in a more smart way. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to leave a review so that I can give you a shout out next time. You could give us a rating if you're listening on Spotify. And I'm so grateful for you all. I hope you have a wonderful day. Hold up. Don't leave quite yet. The good just gets better. I know it might be expensive to hire me for my services. So I've created a free way for you to get all of my best. 
or any question you have. Click the link in the show notes to drop us a voice note, and I promise you I will answer every single one of them on the podcast for free. This has been a Fast Forward production. To learn more about them, check out at the women are speaking on Instagram for more information.